Women Inseparable, where women connect through the Word of God, with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. Confidence in the End, Episode 16 of the Prayer and Fasting Series. In light of our prayer and fasting life, what we believe about resurrection can be a game changer. Here's Jacqueline. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we've already come to you in prayer and worship. We've already presented ourselves before you and our laughters and our friendship. And I thank you so much for the free gifts that you've given to us every single day, every single woman that you bring into this room that we get to do life with together is just such a precious gift from you. I thank you for all the faces, all the smiles in this room that I know that my heart knows so dearly. And I thank you for the ones that I am excited to get to know. I thank you for connecting us, whether we know one another in person or in state, or whether we don't know each other at all. Lord, we're so connected through the blood of Jesus Christ, our resurrected King. And I thank you above all measure, above all words. Thank you for the resurrection of our King. I pray right now that you'll be with us as we study 1 Corinthians 15. Lord, this chapter is a powerhouse. And there's 58 verses, and I'm dying to go through all 58 verses, but it might take us two weeks. I just pray that you'll help minimize my words and just proclaim your words today. The verses that you want us to be intentional about and the message that you want us to feel within our hearts, within our minds, within our souls to strengthen us and prepare us for tomorrow. I thank you so much for being our God. Thank you for your spirit. And I thank you once again for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray for his kingdom for his glory and only and always for his honor. Amen. First Corinthians 15 is our chapter to read. Did we read first Corinthians 15 this week? Yes. Ooh, well done. Did anybody get stuck on a verse this week? Kind of wondered what does that mean? There's a lot in this chapter. I am on the tail end of writing uh, my second book of study on 1 Corinthians, and it's in my editor's hands as we speak. So if I can put that prayer card in all of your hands, pray over this book on judgment, how to live a life in the freedom of judgment, not from judgment. Judgment is good. We need judgment. We need godly judgment. We need to know how to use that tool and win. Writing this book on 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15 was one of my favorite chapters to study and to write. In the book, it's, the premise is about judgment. Today we're going to talk about our prayer life and our fasting life. And as we talk about our prayer life and our fasting life on behalf of the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask you to participate in a challenge. Our challenge back in February was to pray for a day and an hour, any day and an hour, and give that one hour to God. Give that one hour to God. And we took that challenge. And some of us are still doing that challenge as a weekly part of our prayer life. And it grew our fasting life as we're moving forward. Today, our challenge on behalf of what Steve preached, did anybody else sit there with a little bit of women inseparable pride? (laughs) Hearing our pastor teach and preach on fasting, I'm sitting there like, my girl's got this thing going on. (laughs) It was so good. It was such a good message over the weekend. So in light and in honor of Pastor Steve's message and in behalf of our determination to grow our prayer life and our fasting life, can we do another challenge? 
challenges are not required or women inseparable, right? No rules. No rules. So the challenge is this, and I want you to pray about this as we study today and pray about participating with this. The challenge is this. Pray and ask God for a day. A day. <laughs> We're not going to minimize it to an hour. We're not going to do a shortened timeline, but pray for a day between today and next Thursday when we meet again. Pray, God, what day can I give to you? And then what you do during that day, during your fasting life with God, that's between you and God. Will it be an hour? Fantastic. Set that date on your calendar for that day and give that hour of that day to God. Fast. Spend time with God. Is it a meal? Perhaps you want to take your fasting to the physical um, removal of food, like Pastor was preaching about. And you want to give God a meal. Commit to that. Write it on your calendar, says the old school girl. Plug it into your calendar. Is that the right terminology? I don't know. Mark it in your calendar. I so don't do technology. Um, do two meals. Do three meals. Do 24 hours. Do sun down to sun down. Do as Kristen taught us and serve during your time of fasting. Meet God where you are as you are in the design in which God designed you so beautifully and give that time to God. Will you commit to that day, the day that God's putting on your head this week? And if you will, will you be so brave to share that day with your group leader? All our group leaders will sit there with a piece of paper. And we'll mark your name and the day. And the only reason, the main reason we want your name and your day so that we can pray with you each day. Can we do that? There's your challenge. This is our second challenge in a 20-week study. So it's not like we give a lot of homework. We're pretty relaxed, but that's the challenge. Will you commit to one day of fasting? What does that look like? between you and God. And if you have questions over what that fasting looks like, because maybe you've missed a couple of our studies and the freedom that comes in fasting, ask questions. We have answers. You can ask your group leaders, or I'd be honored to sit and chat for a little while. All right, 1 Corinthians 15. As we pray over our challenge, pray over our day, here's our study. We have 58 verses regarding resurrection. The city of Corinth was a very religious city, as many cities were back in the day, and as many cities are today. Do you know we have a lot of religions in today's society? And if the Lord doesn't come again in another 100 years and another 200 years, do you know it's going to be then? A lot of religions, such as the humanity. There's been religions for all of time. Not all religions preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and resurrection. This was one of the encounters they had in the city of Corinth. They were struggling. Like as a city, our culture says there's no such thing as resurrection. It doesn't exist. But I've heard you preach about Jesus, the Christ, the risen Son of God, and I believe in Jesus Christ, but I don't believe in resurrection. But I believe in Jesus Christ, but I don't believe in resurrection. And Paul's like, that doesn't fit. 1 Corinthians 15. This is Paul's answer to the letter written to him. These people, by the hand of Chloe, wrote this letter to Paul and says, Hey, Paul, 
We have some questions for you, and that's what this whole book is about. Let me answer this question. Let me answer this question. Let me answer this question. When we get to chapter 15, he's like, let's talk about that question. And I love that he saves it toward the end of the book as his final, kind of as if resurrection is at the end of our book. It's the final. I think the placement is just so beautiful. And he answers this question about resurrection with the answer that's the answer to everything. What's the answer to everything? Jesus. And this is how he starts the letter. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, that the gospel that I preached to you, the same gospel which you received, the same gospel on which you're standing on, the same gospel on which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word that I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. So he's saying, ultimately, get real with yourself. You're struggling with a religious thought versus a Jesus thought. Get real with yourself. Which one do you want to cling to, the religion or Jesus? And then he reminds them of that answer, verse 3. For the message, he goes, he says, for I deliver to you, it's his way of saying the message of the gospel that I preach to you was of first importance. The same thing that I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He says, what I taught you, what I preached to you isn't anything new. It's the same thing that was prophesied in the Old Testament that has come true through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm teaching to you today. Isn't that beautiful? According to the scriptures. We always say, if you have somebody tell you advice, ask them the very first question. Do you have scripture for that? It's Paul saying, do you remember what I preached to you? I preached to you gospel. I preached to you scripture, and it's valid. You can stand on that, according to the scripture. Verse 4, that he, that Jesus, was buried, and that he, Jesus, was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than five hundred, and then to James, and then to the, all the apostles. And it's a proclamation of, do you see me? In the flesh, I'm alive. And it's not that one person saw a glimpse of somebody that looked like Jesus in the garden one day. It's that Jesus says, hi, I'm here, and I know you by name. And he says this to Cephas or as we call him, Peter. And he says this to the 12, his nearest and dearest. And he stands and he does exactly what he did before he died on the cross, and he stood between crowds of 500. We saw him do this multiple times, didn't we? If we read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. He did after his resurrection the same thing he did before his death on the cross. Isn't that fascinating? He was true to who he was as Jesus before for death and after resurrection. Kind of makes you think of Joseph or Joshua just a little bit. How Joshua was prepared to be Joshua no matter where Joshua was, he was Joshua doing what God created him to do. This the same thing could be said of our Jesus. He was Jesus no matter where he was, no matter what time of day, no matter what event had happened in Jesus's life. Who was he always and forever? Jesus. Same can be said about him today. Same thing always. This is our Jesus. So then Paul goes down in verse 12, and he asks, he brings up a question. He says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, 
how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? He calls out the situation. He says, your question is a debate of cultural religion versus belief in Jesus Christ. This is the battle going on. To those of us today, we sit there and think, well, why is there even a battle between cultural religion and Jesus? Jesus is always the answer, says those of us that study scripture together every single week. And we've learned and we stand upon the fact that Jesus is always the answer. This is a new day. Jesus has been resurrected and ascended for a couple of decades. It's a new testament. It's a new everything. So they're learning everything new all for the first time. So they're really wondering, so what does Jesus mean in relation to cultural religion? How would you explain that to somebody who's brand new out of a religion? Well, get over it. It's Jesus. Don't ever say that. (laughs) Please don't ever say that. If you're talking to a sweet sister that's coming out of a religion, walk with them and listen to the words that they say and sit quietly until the Holy Spirit says, give them this scripture, give them this truth. But how dare we sit and talk to somebody who's still in a religion or freshly coming out of a religion and we shove our knowledge of God down their throats. Can I sweetly say, don't do that. The Holy Spirit knows a little bit more than we do. Let the Holy Spirit give the knowledge of God in the mind of Christ in his timing. Fair enough? So Paul says, you're battling cultural religion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 13, he says, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Your cultural religion is completely knocking out the the truth of Jesus Christ. Accept that. If you want to stand with cultural religion, stand with it. Don't claim the name of Jesus. Verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching, mine and Peter's and Luke's, the, re- the preaching that we're preaching is all in vain. Don't listen to us. Mm-hmm. It's a bold thing to say. And your faith in which you're believing and what we're saying is all in vain. Verse 15 says, we are even found to be misrepresenting God. That's possible because how many people were misrepresenting God back in the day and today? In the Old Testament, before Jesus Christ came and fulfilled all of the prophecies of the Old Testament, there was the, the Old Testament law. There was all the sacrifices. There was a tradition. There was the routine. There was what you did all the time. And then Jesus came again and said, there's a new covenant. There's a new testament in my blood. Do this as often as you eat and drink in remembrance of me. He says, it's a new thing. It's about my blood. It's about my resurrection. It's about a new life. If Jesus did not rise again, if there's no such thing as resurrection, then Peter and Paul and James and John are blaspheming God Almighty of the Old Testament. And Paul claims that. He says, if this isn't true, then don't even listen to a word that's coming out of my mouth because I'm in blasphemy against my God. That's a powerful statement. Verse 20, and for the record, it's killing me to skip over verses. Verse 20 But in fact, Paul says, Christ has been raised from the dead, and he is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In Jesus' resurrection, he laid down an example of what's to come. Jesus says, not only did I come, not only did I die on that cross, not only was I buried, but I rose again, and I was the first, but I'm not the last. And they sit there and they think, well, who's next? 
today we sit here and the truth of the matter is who's next? We are. Jesus Christ is the first fruits of resurrection. He was the display of what resurrection is. It's life. It's life. It's life that we get to live today on behalf of life that we get to live tomorrow. We've been doing a lot of study this last couple of weeks about today. Pray today. Move mountains today. See God move today. Live for today today. Because today is the day of salvation. And it's been powerful. But why do we live for today to be the day of salvation? Because tomorrow he's coming again. And every today means tomorrow he's coming again. And that tomorrow becomes the today that we live for. Because tomorrow the Lord is coming again. Resurrection is real. Oh, it's like if you goosebumps. Verse 29, he says, if this is not true, he says, otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? Why are we in danger every hour if there's no tomorrow? I protest, brothers, he says in verse 31, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, then he quotes a cultural statement, and he says, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Have you ever had a cultural statement go through your head all the time? It is what it is. Verse 33, he says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, he says, and do not go on sinning. And then he gives this powerhouse statement, and I pray that this statement we write down and we pray over. He says, For some have no knowledge of God, and I say this to your shame. They were so caught up in cultural religion, rightfully so, they're coming out of it. They're learning the new. What is the new way? I know Jesus is the way. I know he is the truth. I know he is the life. But what does that mean for me on a Tuesday? I don't know. Good for them for asking questions, right? That's a bold question to ask your spiritual leader. I don't believe in resurrection, but I believe in Jesus. Help. Great question. Let's answer that. Scripture. Go. And this is the dialogue of all of 1 Corinthians. It's fascinating. But he says, there are some of you, some people around you that have no knowledge of God, no knowledge of Jesus Christ, because you're so busy in your cultural religion, and you're so focused on your cultural sports, the beast, gladiator, and you're so focused on your cultural theater, that's where these lines are coming from. He said, you're so caught up in culture. Your words are speaking culture. Your passion is speaking culture. Your religion is speaking culture. And nobody around you knows of God. What's coming out of your mouth? But I live for God. My prayer life is great. Good. Is it showing when you talk to people? In the littlest ways of the coffee shop, do you thank people and say, have a good day? Hey, did you know God loves you? Little statements. Man, you've got such a beautiful smile. Thank you. God did a good thing. How sweet is my God? When you see a little girl at the store, oh, God gave you such beautiful hair. Don't you love how beautiful God is and how he designs each woman to be so beautiful? Does the knowledge of God come out of your mouth or are you so busy talking about your culture? 
You're like, I don't like my culture. Are you so busy talking about the fact that you don't like your culture? <laughs> Ouch. Watch your words, right? It's so easy. It's so easy to sit here and look at Corinth and say, judge, I judge you for who you are. How dare you cling to your culture as we sit and cling to our culture. <laughs> huh. Watch the people around you, whether it's a stranger at a grocery store, whether it's that person sitting next to you on your couch this evening, and check your words. Just think for a quick minute. Are my words so focused on culture, or are my words so focused on God? Is that person around me growing in knowledge of God because they get to sit next to me? Not because I'm so great, but because I have knowledge of God. And God will use me as a vessel to tell one more person. God uses us as a vessel to talk about him. Does that blow your mind? Like, why does God let us do that? He lets us do that. Do that. Verse 35. He brings up another question. He says, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised and what kind of body do they come? It's a valid question. What is it going to look like? We started our prayer and fasting study by asking, what does it look like? What does our prayer life look like? I don't know. What does your fasting life look like? I don't know. Tell me. What does it look like? <laughs> I've never fasted. Okay, so that's what it looks like. Good. Hey, you want to fast? What does that look like? Let's see. Get on your knees. Talk to God. Congratulations. You just started your fasting life. But that doesn't look like what I thought it would look like. That's okay. <laughs> it now looks like something. You've just created a seed. And as you grow that seed, the fruit that's going to spill out of it is going to look nothing like that little seed that you laid before your king. That is what this next passage is saying. There are seeds in God's creation that once we see the fruit of that seed, we're like, how did that apple come from that seed? I can't even picture. There's, there's no, no identification between the point that it started and the point that I'm eating right now. All I saw was that seed. This is what resurrection is. It's getting the seed and fruit that doesn't even look like it blow your mind. Verse 38. He says, God gives it a body as he has chosen. Whatever it is, name it. It has a body that God has chosen for it. To each kind of seed, its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there's one kind of flesh for humans. There's another for animals. There's another for birds. There's another for fish. Do you get what he's saying? There are heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For star differs from star in glory. There is a statement that says that the stars, and I'm just going to throw this out because it's blowing my mind, and I'm not going to say this is gospel truth. This is just a statement I read from a couple commentary, um, commentary books that I look up to. But I have not verified this, and I want to talk to Kevin about this. But what I read this week was that the star that differs from star in glory is the implication that the stars that we see are mere seeds of the fruit of his creation in all of eternity. Does that give you a couple of chills? 
I don't want to stand on gospel truth on this, but I read that this week in a couple of different sources and I have chills. It blows my mind that the creation that we see is nothing more than a seed of what he can do and what he will do tomorrow. It makes sense, doesn't it? Everything we see, we only see as a seed. So why aren't the stars just a seed? of what the seed, what the fruit will be in eternity. It's amazing. You want the bonus homework this week? Research that one. <laughs> Let's bring that one to truth. And that might just be something we wait till we see our tomorrow and we stand there in vast glory and we say we had no idea. I thought there'd be a coffee shop and a mansion. <laughs> <laughs> Verse 50. Is there so much that you want to get out of this chapter? I'm like dying. Our prayer life, our fasting life is a seed of the fruit that comes from it. Please don't get discouraged by what your prayer life looks like. Don't. If you wrote on a piece of paper right now in a sentence, my prayer life looks like fill in the blank. My fasting life looks like fill in the blank. Will you write that down and stand on that? because that's truth. That's your truth. Be proud of that. What, what does your prayer life look like? Do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he was buried and that he rose again? Do you believe that? Yes. Then that's what your prayer life looks like. Your prayer life looks like belief in the resurrected King. Is that not a powerful statement to stand on? Be proud of that. That's your prayer life. Too often we sit there and we think, well, I don't pray enough. I don't pray good enough. I don't say the right words. I don't fast enough. We are living today for tomorrow. And if we grasp the fact that resurrection is real, Jesus was the first fruits and we're the next. And I don't know when that tomorrow is going to be, but that tomorrow is coming. And if we treat our prayer life and our fasting life on our knees before the resurrected King, and we say we have prayers over our bodies, are you ever shocked that your body is perishing? <laughs> like we get shocked. Oh, my eyes aren't working. Really? Welcome to humanity. Oh, I'm trying to walk up a hike and my body just doesn't want to do one more step. Why are we shocked and heartbroken and devastated? It's scripture. We're perishing every day. Welcome to an encouraging lesson. It has to happen. Doesn't death have to happen? Ask any seed out there, death has to happen. And once death happens, then the fruit. And you hear Paul say, I die every day. He plants his seed every day. On his knees before his king, he died every day. And he says, it's Jesus Christ in me. That's the fruit. It's okay that my body is perishing because the more it perishes, the closer I am to it never perishing again. Do you believe in resurrection? When you're on your knees before your king, how much of that resurrection do you believe in? Do you see how that might change your prayer life a little bit more? I'm praying today because I believe in tomorrow. And that matter that's so big in light of tomorrow, hmm, the weight settles a little bit more. Also, the urgency increases a little bit more. 
God, I've got a person that does not know you. I pray it's not because of my shame. I can't make a person believe in Jesus Christ, but I can make sure that person knows of, has a knowledge of God. I can do that. And that's going to start on my knees as I pray for that person out loud. And the next time I'm with that person, I'm just going to be me. I'm just going to happen to say the name of Jesus. Because how can you not say the name of Jesus? Resurrection. Just finished by reading some scripture, and then we'll close in prayer. Verse 54. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, kind of makes you feel like you want to shout a hallelujah, doesn't it? (laughs) And the mortal puts on immortality. Then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. He goes back to solid truth again. But then the heart of thanksgiving, he says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through whom? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm dying right now to close in verse 58. I wasn't even supposed to read verse 57. I felt that on my heart. Lord, I pray that each of us, as we leave this room, as we live throughout this day, as we lay our day of fasting before you, that we'll cling to verse 58. That that won't be ignored, but that I'll be so passionate on our knees before you, that we'll claim our prayer life based on verse 58, that we'll lay our fasting life before you based on verse 58. And I pray that you'll help us to be exactly what we're charged to be in verse 58. Thank you. Jesus, thank you for being the first fruits of resurrection. Thank you for giving us a glimpse of what it's going to look like. We thank you for today. Oh, so much. We thank you for today. And we praise you and we magnify you at the mere thought of tomorrow. Help us to pray like a warrior because tomorrow. Help us to fast today because of tomorrow. Lord, I do pray for the physical issues that are brought to our mind today as we studied. I do lay every prayer that is on our hearts for our physical bodies that are perishing. Lord God, answer. Answer the prayers in our hearts so that we may live stronger and more beneficial for your glory, for your kingdom, and for your honor today. Lord Jesus, thank you for tomorrow. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on Telegram at WI Online.